Sienna? You left burning candles on your dresser all night? What are you, fucking stupid? I didn't do anything. They weren't lit. Then please explain to me how your goddamn room caught on fire. I have no idea. You have no idea. So it just spontaneously combusted out of thin air? I guess so. Sienna. Get back to bed. You have school in the morning. You mean I still have to go? What did I say? You know, Sienna, you are going to kill us one of these days between your chemicals and your heat guns and staying up till 4 o'clock in the fucking morning doing God only knows what. Oh, my God. For the hundredth time, I was not using chemicals and I did not leave burning candles on my dresser. Why can't you just believe me? Because... Stay in my room tonight and I'll sleep on the couch. I don't mind sleeping on the couch. Go to bed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Generic Podcast, where we talk about everything horror, sci-fi, and sometimes fantasy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Generic Podcast. I have a returning guest on today. He's been doing a lot of really cool stuff in the horror community since the last time we've chatted. Seamus Belial, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, man. How have you been? You know, I've been doing pretty good. You know, it's, it's been a, a little bit of a strange struggle <laughs> to be honest so like so sometimes i'm just like am i gonna make rent this this month because it's like all right, the- they're with you you know i went to the grocery store the other day i, I you know make me might make me sound like an old man i don't even know anymore because i feel like everybody feels the same way but i went to the grocery store the other day i picked up like four items that like i, I feel like pre-covid would have cost me like maybe eight bucks and, I, and they were like it was, it was almost twenty dollars <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> Here, I can I can old man you because my wife and I were out running errands yesterday. We have a water softener and you gotta buy you know rock salt to put on in it. And she bought rock salt and I was like, so two bags. I said, what did it come to? She goes, like 15, 16 bucks. And I go, oh man, the price came down because the time before that that we bought it, it was almost 20 bucks. I'm so old that I track the price of salt. So that's where I'm at in my life. I feel like when you're a homeowner, though, like you have to pretty much like track everything nowadays because it just like adds up. <laughs> oh my gosh, it gets nuts. Like, and you know, I have all the kids, and like my wife and I, we said we uh, we're gonna start charging them for power because they want you know, turn turn the lights off or stop. You know, you, no, you can't take a 45 minute shower. No, you can't. <laughs> Like, and I, I'm not even gonna make, like, like no. Here's the thing, here's the thing. They're not doing anything like illicit or inappropriate. They're just like standing there. Yeah. Like, just like staring at a wall. And I'm like, dude, 
Get out of the shower. <laughs> you know how much money you're costing me? You've been clean for 30 minutes. It's, I am bigger than you and I can, I can get clean top of my head to the bottom of my feet, five minutes. Yeah. You just get in, you do it, and then you get out, dry off, and move on and fly. But anyhow, yeah. But uh, yeah, getting by in life is, is nuts right now. And that's why I really like things like this. And that's why, you know, when it comes to, you know, we're here to talk about horror, I think that is one of the things that attracts me to horror is, and, and, and everybody has their, their different things they like, but for me, I, I like the, there, there's two aspects and a lot of people um, don't always realize with horror how a lot, a lot more than they realize of horror is social commentary and it is, you know, you know, you go back all the way to Romero, Night of the Living Dead and whatnot, or you just go back to the 80s, you have Candyman, people under the stairs and things like that. Candy with, Candyman was more on the nose with it, but people in their stairs, that was talking about racism in society, bar none, I, that, that's what it was. And so when it comes to the day-to-day -day struggles, especially with parenting and things like that, um, there's some escapism. I get to go off into my fantasy world of murder and terror, but then there's also, there's some catharsis there, and oh man, it just it made me think. What was the, I can't even think of the name of the movie. I know it was on Shutter. Um, had to do with a couple with a special needs child, and they were needing a stay-in nanny. Gosh, I wish I remember the name of the movie right now. Hmm. I was I was gonna I was I was gonna say. Uh... That's that's not the one where like they they move into that new house with like the door that they no no it's it's they they get this nanny and the mother is very like he cannot be here he has to eat this he'll only do this and she seems like really like hardcore and the dad gets kind of distant and that relationship dynamic with having a special needs kid and and you know my wife, I'm not like, well, my wife and I are, you know, there's, it, that movie played a lot with the ups and downs of a marriage we'll, while dealing with the difficulties of having a special needs child. And I, my house is a melting pot of neurodivergence. You know, I got all sort, all, all, uh, all over the spectrum. Got you know ADHD and depression and anxiety and it's all of us. It's not just the kids. And so that movie dealt with it in such a visceral and relatable and real way with the dynamics between the parents and the child in, as individuals, the 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 relationship of the parents where I just it floored me. And then you know it got creepy and it was it was a great movie. And I damn wish I knew the remember the name of it. Um, we'll, we'll look it up afterwards, at least. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man, it, but it, it was phenomenal, and that it's it's those kind of things when I watch a movie that it's it's a weird thing, but it's like, man, they really hit that. And and if somebody was able to write that, that means I'm not the only one. Yeah. You know, that means there's somebody, and, and so it's like, okay, so I'm. It's not that I'm I'm not failing at things. I'm not doing things wrong. This is just kind of the way it is for people in situations like mine.
there's not as much murder and terror going on in my house, but hey, you know, that's probably a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess if somebody wanted to write a sequel to um, to Skinamarink, you know, it gets yeah. <laughs> Start off with just like somebody staring off at like a shower head, you know, and then you could just put up like the bill meter. <laughs> you see everybody in the audience. Just, just uncomfortable, uncomfortable. <laughs> like, oh, you know what that's like? You know, it makes me think of like, if you watch, you watch a lot of horror too. And people are always like, oh, what are your favorite kills? And like, what, what, what really got to you? And I've seen some of the most absurd, gory, bloody, out there stuff. But the the two things that I can think of that made my skin crawl outside of like the elements of like Last House on the left and Devil's Rejects, the the, the SA elements, that's that's a whole different ball game. But I mean as far as like gore and like, you know, mutilation and killing, in a movie called Homesick, uh, indie Indie horror flick from, shoot, it's probably like 15, 15, 20 years old now. And uh, there's a scene where a character, and it has Bill Mosley, and if you search Bill Mosley, it'll be in his IMDb. Um, there's a character that, this is like minor spoiler, it doesn't give away the whole movie, but uh, gets his finger stuck in like a window. He like, it gets rolled up and just the fingers are on there. And the killer comes up with a pair of wire cutters and take and it's and it's not it's not overdone it's not like super gore porn uh eli roth but that right there just i was just like oh god and then in the texas chain one of the texas chainsaw remakes and i don't remember exactly which one there's a scene where one of the one of the victims is being dragged down into the cellar, down a wooden staircase, and they're clawing, and their fingernail gets caught in the wood. That right there, oh, that's one of the worst. Of all the things that I have seen Jason Voorhees do to teenagers, that fingernail about turned my insides out. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the the big things of horror. And and there there was a, I can't remember which episode it was, uh, but they had a horror series. It was like 101 scariest scenes in horror. Mm -hmm. I believe it. They it, I think it was the second one because I think AMC had one, and then they had one on Shutter. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that they were talking about is there's that. Um, interesting correlation between what is scary in a horror film and what is relatably horrifying yes. in, in a horror film. And they were talking about stuff that happens with the eyes um, because we've all you know, like say like you're you wake up and your arm is tired and you go to like rub your eye and the next thing you know you're just <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the fingernails thing um, anything with like toes, we've all like stubbed mm. our toe, teeth, yeah, like all yeah. the all the things, um, things that are like more relatable, but are like subtle things that people wouldn't really think about. Yeah, you know, and those are the kinds of things where it goes from, okay, this is like scary, but I'm removed, and then it's just like you're gonna pull their teeth out, like a yeah, I, it's all, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all, you know, 
Um, but I, I think like one of the interesting things that you that you uh, brought up um, as far as uh, being neurodivergent is that I feel like <laughs> one of the other things that is absolutely terrifying is just how. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody who is on that on that spectrum, like I have pretty severe ADHD. Like, you know, you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm gonna work on my writing. And then you're like, oh, but also I have to do the dishes because now I need a plate for my food. And then you're like, mm -hmm. oh, but I have to like cook my food. And then you're cooking your food and you're like, I think the laundry's done. And then you're like, wait, what the hell am I doing? You know, that's a whole other horror story in and of itself. Yep, yep. But I, I think, a lot of times the more neurodivergent people are too, the, the easier it is to immerse yourself in horror and kind of just yeah. move a lot more to like the the chaotic nature of everything that's going on, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think along with that, I think a lot of horror creators, you know, I think there's a lot of people draw, if, if it's not neurodivergence, it can also be other mental health issues in, in life and stuff like that. You know, like, I mean, you look at the master, you look at Stephen King and you can tell what part of his life he was at and what was going on in his life to a large degree based on what he was writing or how he was writing at a time. Like you can, you can pick up something and you were like, oh, these were the cocaine years, <laughs> you know? And I mean, and to the point where he wrote himself into the Dark Tower series. Mm -hmm. And there are other parallels with his life. And you even go back, you look at The Shining. Jack Torrance, that was Stephen King out of out of college. You know, that's a lot of the the, the experiences parallel his own. And so for horror creators, it can be a catharsis. Yeah. And it's not that, you know, again, you've read my writing and it's not, you know, I don't, I, I love my mother, but not like that. I don't hate my mother. Uh, you read Finger Bang Fang Fuck and that's, that's just, that was just bonkers. Like, I want to write something. My approach to that, and I think I've told you this, my approach to that was just like, I, I like body horror. I like absurd. I want to do something that's just bonkers absurd. Yeah. Like, what if trauma made of porn like what would that you know and i like the body horse it's like oh and it's directed by david cronenberg let's do that you know let's mash up the fly toxic avenger and an adult film and that's how that happened and i everybody who reads it is like what the you know, there are a lot of people who read it and they got if it wasn't cronenberg they went with uh uh david fincher they're like this is like a racer head and a you know, porn, like, <laughs> but it's weird, gross trauma, you know, and things like that are more just like, I just want to do something. It's fun. But then there are other things that I write that maybe even I don't intend it or detect it, but people read it and are like, man, you're really working out some issues here, aren't you? And, and I'm like, like, what do you mean? You're like, oh, with the, you know, such and such, the kid or this, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess my kids have been getting on my nerves lately. You know, things like that. Uh, but I mean, yeah. I, I, writing, writing in, in film, especially have that kind of um, amalgamation where it's just like you really are taking, whether we know it or not, right? It's like we were mm -hmm. taking parts of our life and putting it into our work, 
And a lot of times, you know, it's kind of like how um, some readers have uh, an escape route. Like that is like their escape. I think a lot of times when we're working on things um, that are heavy to deal with in our lives, that's like one of the ways that we escape it. And sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it until, you know, you come into a situation like that where it's just like somebody's like, oh, like going through some stuff here, huh? You know, it's just like kind of like what you're saying with like Stephen King. You get, I feel like especially um, with film and writing, when you're getting to that point where, and I, I guess kind of like for everyone that's, that's a creative, you know, you get to a certain point where it's just like you've learned so many new things mm-hmm. and then it just starts hitting you all at once and you're like, this is a lot to deal with. And like, you know, then you got to start working through things, you know, so that, I mean, there's all sorts of kinds of horror, you know, it's like, and I, I know we're getting, we're getting on like a huge tangent here, you know, about life, life and, and horror and everything. And, uh, you know, instead of talking about um, Halloween films or whatever, but I think this is a really important point for, for a lot of people. I don't think they really look at horror. Yeah. You know? They don't, they don't, you know, and like you're talking about different types of horror, people approach horror for different reasons. You know, there there are some times that when I first read just the, you know, the blurred description of the Duke, I was like, that, man, you know, I, sometimes I, the first time I read, I was like, nah, I'm not in a place right, I'm not, I'm not in a place mentally or emotionally that I can, I can do that right now. So I put it off and watch something, you know, something else. And then when I went back, I'm glad that I saw it. It's, a, it's an excellent movie, but there are times when it's like, hey, that's that's what I'm I'm looking for in a movie right now. I, I want something that's not necessarily gory or you know anything like that. I want something that is like that real visceral human emotion horror. But then there are other times where I, I my wife is here. Tell them how many times you've heard me say this. I just say I, I just want to watch some a, you know a nutcase murder a bunch of people. You know, I don't, I don't want substance. I, you know, if I've had a bad, bad day or something, and that, I, I, I can't go back, you know, it used to be I'd have a bad day or I'd be stressed out and be like, oh, I, you know, I need six pack of beer. Now I'm like, I need an hour and 20 minutes of just murder junk food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's why I love Tubi because I just find some like indie film on Tubi. Like I, I know that I'm not getting the best plot out of it getting some maybe not the greatest acting but they're the passions there and the funds there i just want i just want fun and some practical effects that's all i need in life man Tubi, Tubi is really all about that if you're if you're listening to me <laughs> yeah you're doing a great you're, you're doing a great job i mean there's really there's there's really horror is for everyone and and, and i think you know if if for some reason by now um, I have no idea what episode number this is going to be, <laughs> but uh, for some reason, uh, if people who are listening haven't figured out that horror is for everyone, I mean, there, it's you know, there's all sorts of kind of genres that are out there, right? And then every single genre has all their subgenres, mm-hmm. but like horror especially does really well on the emotional levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I know, like for you. You might relate a lot more with um, horror films that deal with the parent and child kind of uh, uh, dynamic situations there. And like, I've watched films like that, but I've never connected with them because I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. But for me, 
I find films that um, are about isolationism um, and just kind of like feeling a little bit out of place. Like that mm -hmm. is my type of horror, you know? I don't really go anywhere. I'm either doing podcast stuff or working on my writing or like now like I'm figuring out more on like how to um, do more kind of like marketing stuff for, for podcasting and mm -hmm. and all that other sort of kind of stuff. So it's like if I, like, even if I go out, it's like I'm, you know, I'll bring a book or something, you know, where I'm yeah. coming back. Well, especially with how weird the world is today. It's like, I don't know, I could I could go to the movies and I might not come back because some somebody's mad at the world and yep. wants to <laughs> just end everything for everyone, you know, so. Uh, I, have, I have a friend who, uh, she had an extra wristband for uh, ACL. And she was like, hey, I got an extra wristband. Who wants it? Hit me up in my DMs. So I sent her a message and I just said, uh, you know, they they may be in your DMs, but I'm in your old guy who doesn't do anything ever file. And she, you know, she laughed at it, but that's me. I'm like, I, people are like, hey, you go to, no, I don't. If it's going somewhere and doing anything, probably not. I probably don't do that. <laughs> it takes too much energy. <laughs> energy and money and neither of which I have a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, I feel like now, that's one of those weird things, and I know this is, is something that you, you could probably relate on uh, more more than I can, because you have the, the kids and a busier job and everything than I do, but it's like, I look back on some of the things that I used to do in my teens and in my 20s, and I'm just like, I, how the hell did I do that? Like, where, where did that energy come from? <laughs> Seriously, like... <laughs> My kids were like, hey, you want to do this? I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, I will because you asked me. But no, I don't want to. I want to. I want to nap. That's all I ever really want to do. <laughs> there's never there's never enough time for the naps. <laughs> no, not at all. But now this is, you know, it is it is our time of year, our time to shine right now with, with Halloween and whatnot. And so, you know, like you it, it, I, when you said horror is for everybody another aspect of people aren't realizing that is horror gets in, in in some ways into just about everything you know and it's and it's it's all ages too because and we talked about this before because you'd asked me how i got into horror and it was goosebumps still to this day and goosebumps as a series is as old as i am and kids are still rocking goosebumps shirts and they're and i talked to the librarian and it's still you know that and i don't even think that well fear street isn't as there as it should be for, for a lot of kids but i mean goosebumps is still popular they're still making things they just released uh the new series but even aside from that you know monsters high you know that's for kids that's for little girls uh i remember when i was a kid we had my pet monster there was the toxic uh crusaders tv show trauma is for the children wu-tang and trauma are for the kids don't let anybody tell you different and we um, take a lot of cool stuff for a lot of different genres to be honest oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> but no matter what like the age level the like there's always some aspect and it doesn't have to be you know what people typically assume horror is you know people think horror and they think you know the big four or five if you will you know mike fred jay chucky leatherface you know pinhead if they if they know what's good for them you know they think about those uh those things 
and like the gruesome kills and the the nudity and the language and it's it, like we we were just talking about it. it doesn't have to be that but those things those those spooky elements the the need to be the desire to be frightened or you know you were talking about feeling isolated i would take a show like monsters high my little guy he, he loves monsters high and it's part of it's the uh the the fashion and the, the the monsters and stuff but i can think of i have a friend who's a little bit younger than me that she when that the monsters high first came out like that attracted her because it was the main character or whatever it's all these they're all outsiders and they found their group so it boom related right there just kind of like you were saying like at that age group that that teenage age group it's like hey you know here's a fantastical you know spooky way to put it in a cartoon and whatnot but this is you and that's what made goosebumps so successful i was talking with a coworker the other day about goosebumps every single one of those books had something to relate to the target audience you know uh, teachers my teachers is an alien or you know whatever it happens to be i remember uh, was it say cheese and die for some reason got got under my skin a lot the idea of having your picture taken like you know and then you you, you get yeah and then you get on and even as much as i, I i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it because the twilight series it, it it's not for me you know is definitely horror i'll say horror adjacent you know but it, it horror has its 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 fingers in there and there's definitely a group that that appealed to yeah the the main character whatever her name is i watched a i don't know if it was a youtube video or what whatever platform it was on they they called her pants mm -hmm. She's just bland. That like I've never read the books, but apparently, if you read through them, it doesn't really go into hair color or fashion. She is a very blandly written character, but it was done purposefully so that any teenage girl that read those books could put herself in those shoes and boom, instantly relate to that character. And whatever she was feeling in her life, that character was going through the the teenage love triangle thing or you know whatever's going on and it gripped people and you know snobby horror purists like i was i'm gonna say was i'm, I'm a lot more relaxed on things now i was like that's not horror music. that's not what the vampire blah, blah, blah. i read Bram stoker blah, blah, blah. but who am i to tell some like 14 year old girl that she can't like something she relates to you know but any aspect of of entertainment or you know literature film shows anything like that horror gets its fingers into and there's always an appeal for it there's always an appeal and it doesn't matter gender it doesn't matter age income level geography socioeconomic what it doesn't matter there's always that appeal there and I can't think of many things that have that kind of universal appeal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's as I remember when I, I had sat down with uh, one of the I don't want to I don't want to say his name just because I don't I don't think like I was supposed to actually be doing this because at, at that at that point, I wasn't actually working uh, 
with Amazon directly. I was I was working uh, as, just as kind of like a, a temporary, you know, position. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, I I generally don't like following rules very much. So you know, like when you're, you know, how like somebody is just like going to work and they're just like. If this is the issue, you need to talk to this person so then they can take your your qualms or your issues mm-hmm. and they'll bring them to that person and they'll, they'll do pain or whatever. Hell no, I don't do that. You know, if I'm working somewhere and there's a hierarchy and I know who's going to have the the answer to the questions, I'm going to reach out to them. Um, so I, I went through the directory while I was working at Amazon and found one of the, the people that leads the department for uh, Amazon Game Studios and I was just like hey can I can I chat with you for a little bit just kind of like see what you guys are looking for and that kind of thing because I kind of was trying at that point in time I was trying to get into the game industry and just mm-hmm. a little bit more about what was going on um, obviously <laughs> that didn't happen um, but if anybody who's listening if you work in video games and you, you need some horror ideas or authors or whatever hit me up <laughs> um but one of the things that uh, we had discussed, because they don't uh, they don't really dive into any horror, they don't have any horror games or anything like that. And uh, they, you know, he was saying the same thing. He was like, "Well, you know, it, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because you said that you write and and read and do stuff in, in the horror community, and we need more people like that because it's easier for people that." are into horror to relate to a lot of other things that either people don't want to talk about or don't realize mm-hmm. are going on. And um, he pointed out how um, there are a lot of people during the pandemic that are easy. It was easier for them to transition into that different kind of lifestyle than it was for people that didn't get into horror because it is everywhere and it, it helps you relate and be more empathetic towards a lot of different yeah. situations. So I, I always thought that was was pretty interesting. And now you, you know, like you're making these points about how it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're making a show for like a 10 year old or, you know, if you're making a movie for somebody that is like 50 years old, you know, because there's always some types of horror. There's body horror, there's, you know, there's um, coming of age horror, but then there's also like you're getting old horror. Yep, <laughs> there is that too. No, <laughs> the water horror, you know, for, uh, I, I can't remember the, the phobic name for it. Is it agoraphobic? Is that? Is that- uh, aquaf- agoraphobic is the fear of, uh, Going outside. That's ah, okay. that was who was in that movie? The woman had agoraphobia. Oh no, agoraphobia is a fear of people. That's what it is. Not wanting to be around people. Um, uh, is it aquaphobia? I mean, we'll we'll go with that. <laughs> that means that, I, that sounds like an Argento film. <laughs> the, 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 that'll be the next. That'll be the next film. <laughs> you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember. Um, so when I, when I was young, one of the, one of the films that, that really, um, hit me and one of the, this is also something where I'm kind of worried now, cause I know they're remaking it. Um, but like going into to Halloween movies and then like, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of, um, some of the things that we found, um, relatable. So like, I've kind of always looked at the world with like a, a critical eye and, kind of like seen like okay like these are the things i like to do but like there is a lot of evil in the world mm-hmm. one of the films that really stood out for me and 
I don't really know how it how I found it relatable at all. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but um, The Crow is kind of, you know, it's just like one of those very classic films. And they should have left it alone. They should have like, left it alone. There's no good reason <laughs> yeah. to remake that. Yep. Other than trying to cash it. That's the only, like, I, we're on the same page. I don't need to, oh, God, that makes me so mad that they're doing that. No but yeah, that, I think that again, like you said, like, you're outsider, you're loner. That's, you know, I just, my, the, the snapshot in my mind from that movie forever is just randomly sitting there with his hand up on his knee. You know, that's that. And then me and my my friends in high school, I knew I knew that kid, you know, I knew that kid that was sitting there like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of those that isn't even necessarily a Halloween movie, but I think a lot of us, um, we kind of make them ours. Mm -hmm. You know, things don't have to have to be Halloween um, to be Halloween. Right. But that that movie and that I think The Crow is also a good example going back to I don't I don't even consider it a straight horror movie. It's it's like this action horror, you know, it's right. it was doing, you know, a hot goth and leather shooting guns <laughs> before Underworld ever existed, you know, right. It was a lot of a lot of um, a lot of themes that I think the the general public didn't really digest at that time. Um, but I, th I, I mean, one of the the only reasons I even I think I watched that film because it was on I want to say it was on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it was part of their um, Halloween film because it happens on All Hallows Eve. Um, and, yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of it's it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, um, oh, what, what's the other movie? Oh, now I can't think of it. It's like one of those. It's, it's a Christmas movie that's not a Christmas movie. Um, uh, I remember Before Christmas. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, the live action film with. Uh, Is it Lethal Weapon? I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh, no, no, you're thinking Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like how Die Hard, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a it's a Christmas movie, but it's that's not. Because it, that's but because it's, it's a Christmas movie. movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. takes place on it a, is a Christmas. On and around Kong Gruber has fallen from Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's... I think that's the stark um, contrast there between, you know, is there uh, an influence between, is it a Halloween film and is it relatable to some people versus like when you get something like Terrifier, which mm -hmm. is a Halloween film and hopefully is not relatable to anybody. Yeah, good call. Like <laughs> that's, and that's one of those like, I, I remember the first time that the, I came across Terrifier, and I, I don't even know if I'd seen All Hallows Eve yet. Did you know there's a second part to that? I added, it's on Tubi, and I haven't seen it, because All Hallows Eve is where we first meet Art the Clown, and then All Hallows Eve 2 has this pumpkin-faced, pumpkin-masked killer. I haven't seen it, yeah. I don't know. But it doesn't seem directly related. It almost seems like, I don't know, somebody owned the rights or something, but whatever. 
Terrifier, I saw it and I was like, oh, creepy clown. I'm like, whatever. I'm in, you know, I love killer clowns from outer space. That's that's another one of those popcorn movies for me because it's just bonkers and fun, you know. Uh, the, the first book I ever read that kept me awake at night was It, you know? So I was like, ooh, scary clown. And I remember getting in that movie. And even before that scene, I was like, oh, this is creepy. And just when he's sitting in the diner and, and he's not even like scowling yet, he's just kind of like, just that blank. You know, you're talking earlier about how people get about like eyeballs and teeth and like even like faces for a lot of people. I know a lot of people that that just like, if there's supposed to be expression or you expect expression, it's blank, it bothers people. Yeah. Or there's a lot of examples throughout different genres and stuff where there's supposed to be a face, but there's not. I think they did it in the Twilight Zone where it's just, just like yeah, skin. Or even I think back to Jacob's Ladder with Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins? Have you seen Jacob's Ladder? Yeah, yeah. So oh, that, dude, that movie. You know, the reason why I watched that is because of uh, Silent Hill. Oh, really? Correct. It's, so if you play um, the second one, almost every single enemy type and the way that they approach the character is directly related to Jacob's Ladder. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, I was talking to somebody once, they're like, yeah, I can't watch that movie. I was like, why? Is it like the 90-eyed goat head demon on a cross? They're like, no, it's the faces on the bus. And if you remember, or it's a train or a bus or something passes by and looks at the faces and they're vibrating. They're like, it, they're like I saw that and something just kind of, it, it got under my skin and it like made me physically ill and I had to turn it off. Yeah. You know, uh, shoot, my, my father-in-law, he's claustrophobic. And he usually comes to me for horror movie recommendations and whatnot. And I remember uh, years ago, it was fairly new. So we're talking about 10, 15 years ago, The Descent. And he's like, oh, I saw stuff about that. And I, you know, because he'd seen the scenes with the, like the, the little snapshots, the little, the little monster critters, uh, the humanoid little cave dwellers. And I didn't know he was claustrophobic. Ooh. And he, he, and I told him, that. I was like, oh, they go cave diving. He's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. That the scene, and, and again, it's not like a straight horror thing but where they're going through that very narrow space and the rocks shift yeah and she just kind of like ah and it doesn't kill her there's no it just scares her and it's that that triggered his claustrophobia he said i had to turn it off he's like i got i broke out in a cold sweat my heart rate increased and uh i was like that's you know i guess that's fingernails for me <laughs> like <laughs> But again, I, I think that's a really interesting, you know, going back to how horror checks all the different boxes, you know, depending. Because I remember watching that movie front to back, you know, I've watched it a few times. Because especially, so there, there, there's two types of, of, of reasons I feel why um, most people, why they'll rewatch something, you know, a few times, multiple times, whatever, um, because they don't like it. And they're trying to figure out why other people like it, which with the descent was me. <laughs> or um, they really enjoy it. 
And I think like that's one of the other things where when you're looking at horror and where you get this like awesome mix between uh, all the Halloween horror and mm -hmm. different things that are, people are interacting with and how, you know, you get all these different kinds of bits and pieces of life that terrify people. I feel like that is one of those aspects where it's just like, I watched that film several times and I was like, I don't understand what is so terrifying about this. I'm like, it's, it's entertaining, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like I have some friends that as well that are claustrophobic, like we'll go, like we've gone places before and it'll be a little kind of like hole in the wall um, uh, brewery or, you know, it's like you go into uh, like you go, you go into the mall and like sometimes it's like you get the really narrow, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like you get all those people and you can just see they're just like, ooh, I can't, I can't do it. And I'm just like, what the hell? But it's like, <laughs> you know, if you go put, put it, flip the perspective and then it's like you're, you're taking that kind of empathy and putting it, you know, into yep. their being like, oh yeah, like see how that would be terrifying for them, you know? And I think that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, looking at horror, especially when you can tell that like people are, are writing it, you know, just for fun, but mm -hmm. also maybe to, to, to poke and prod somebody else and be like, I'm not afraid of this, but you are. So like, go home, well, that kind of thing. That, that is, <laughs> that's originally kind of why I started mixing explicit sex into my writing. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I wanted to just write straight up smut, you know, I could do it. But what I liked, and I remember it was, I had finished Loving Mother, because I knew initially what I wanted to do with it, and it initially was not going to be as explicit as it was. And it went that direction, and I sent it to Dylan. He's, he's kind of, you know, my de facto editor or proofreader. And I always, I usually send him stuff, like, hey, what's your opinion on this? And he was, he was like, dude, the, he's like, you know, it's like all you know, sexy and whatnot. And he goes, it turns on a dime. I said, I did that on purpose. Once I made that decision, I did that on purpose because those are two su such opposite ends of the spectrum. And in that one, to just go from like appealing to one end of the human experience to just flipping it around, I wanted that jarring experience for the reader now in finger bang i just kind of blended all the grossness and you know the the explicit smutty descriptions of what was going on but i mixed it with the gross absurdity and that was kind of what you were saying like i'm not afraid of this but you are this doesn't bother me but it'll bother you just kind of just to kind of push a little bit and that was kind of the idea that like can what buttons can i push here you know like the and i know they'll never read it and i'm not going to go into the backstory there's a there's a few people who may read the story who will get the reference but there's two characters and they're not main characters um i'll just tell them the the characters that are the meeting bill and shannon the one that's covered in the in the stuff and the girl he finds and their whole i wrote that based on two real people <laughs> that i don't like <laughs> at all um 
And at first, it, what's funny, I came up with the concept of like the, the deformity, if you will, of at first. And then I wrote it with different names and I was rereading it, you know, just going over it. And I was like, oh no, I was like that. I Going back to that, like, oh, you're working through something here type of thing. I was like, I know who that is. I know exactly where that came from. I'm changing the names to make it accurate. Uh, I told my mother, I did tell my mom uh, that she's not allowed to read that story. And she said that dad was gonna read it maybe and then determine if it's something that she might wanna read. Both my mother and my father know those people personally and they have never said anything to me about it, but I know that if they read them exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's, that's again, like I wrote that stuff and it was like, I'm gonna try to push buttons here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to push buttons. My most recent story that got accepted to the cult erotica magazine. Sexual elements are there, the horror elements are there, but neither of it goes to the extremes. And so it's written with more intention to kind of blend the two for people who are into that. It's like writing, I was more writing to an audience than writing at an audience, you know, like, you know, not attacking, you know, <laughs> attacking somebody with like, like absolute gross stuff it was more like hey this is this is for a group of people who are into this and i can i can write that that way as well um but i think a, a lot of creators do that <laughs> so they'll, they'll have to read everything in reverse then so they'll, they'll get into your they'll get into your your news your new story here and then they can yeah. jump down the rabbit hole <laughs> i have some other ideas that somebody I, yeah, I have some absurd ideas. I, I'm not even going to go into them right now because that's not what we're talking about. But yeah, every now and then I, I pull my, I have a notes folder on my phone and I pull it up and there's just, I look at them. Somebody's like, what's wrong? How do you think about things like that? What's wrong with you? Uh, somebody who reviewed uh, Finger Bang and I was like, I just took a screenshot of my story ideas and it's just titles and like little snippets. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with my head. This is what it looks like though. And they just laughed. They're like, yeah, you just keep it on paper, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, um, once you start writing, and I, I think this is this is more of a general thing. And when you start writing, when you start creating anything, there's going to be a lot of people, especially, um, the older I get, the more I'm realizing that there's a lot of people that don't have problems. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that aren't into reading and writing and creating that and it's like and more so creatives in general you know it's like I'm, when i start to realize it's just like there's some people that don't have hobbies um there's some people who like they just they just they they do their nine to five or whatever they come they come home they throw on the tv and do some mindless stuff and that's it. And you know, it's just like you. Then you, you you sit down and it's like you're you're chatting with them, and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm writing this story, and you know, you know like these are the things that happen, and uh, they're just kind of staring at you, like, what? <laughs> like, where are, you, where are you getting these ideas? Like, what? <laughs> How do you even come up with this stuff? Like, what the hell? And it's just like, yeah, it's just like sometimes you just want to tell a weird story to get that kind of like visceral reaction or to get that kind of just like, oh, that's like, <laughs> what are you doing kind of thing, you know? Well, yeah, and I think 
I would, I would, I would wager that more people have those thoughts and weird thoughts than will admit it, and they just suppress them. But it takes people like us, and it takes people like Stephen King, and I'm not that I'm not putting myself there. I'm just <laughs> like throwing out the names, or even I mean, not even horror. It takes people like Tolkien, and it takes people like R.L. Stein and and uh, Judy Bloom and you know whoever it happens to be to go. No, I'm not going to suppress this. I'm going to, and again, no matter the medium, mm-hmm. uh, music, visual art, uh, literature, film, you know, whatever it is, and that is, it's important, and people, I think we take entertainment for granted so often. A lot of our conversation today has been about how cathartic it is and how it's a release and you know to go and watch something you can relate to or watch something just to get that's it's just bananas and a lot of times people feel those connections more with music you know because music tends to be a little bit more personal in a lot of ways but if you have people having these bonkers thoughts and these ideas and they're suppressing them then art goes away and, and that's, uh, we, in our schooling systems and a lot of times when raising our kids and, you know, just as a society, uh, we, we try to operate like, or I feel like we're expected to operate as this machine that is supposed to spit out useful cogs to, to produce, to make money to buy more machines to spit out cogs to produce to make money it's it's it, and I'm, I'm not trying to get all super you know political and whatnot but i'm sure you've experienced it because i know i did I, I i see it all the time where it's oh no 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 there's no money in being an artist yeah you know oh you're not gonna be a stephen king you can't you can't make money writing oh who you think you are spielberg you can't make money be you know making these films you're not you're never going to be a musician you know we tell people this and so it's always like make sure you have something to fall back on make sure that you get you have a job so you can and, and what we do is we take these creative voices and from a very very young age so i would say up around middle of grade schools when we start telling telling kids like oh well that's nice but get your map done yeah you know and and we just we teach people to suppress this stuff and a lot of people like myself i i get bitter and i start bitching about the lack of depth or quality or anything in any form of art whether it's like music or i'm like oh this is just bland this is this is just try remakes you know talking about remaking the crow freaking why it's because because there's there's a whole generation of creatives who weren't fully allowed to flesh things out and try things and so now hollywood hollywood is a money-making machine that's why i love indie that's why i love indie so much you know uh i'm sure you saw my post on instagram i call i call spooky season if you will it's it's amateur hour it's it's tourist season for horror 
everybody wants and they what's your horror you know and i'm not recommending i'm not even gonna recommend terrifier you know i'm not i'm gonna tell people go on tubi and go watch dylan's movies you know go watch the devil's children watch the flock watch ghost watch tahoe joe tahoe joe if you haven't seen it tahoe joe was him and mike were in between shooting days or something on ghost and they were just kind of bored they're like what if we like threw together this movie real quick no script they just had fun and it is so entertaining you know and i've seen read some of the reviews and the reviews are like oh well it's missing this and you know people get critical and that's cool but at the base of it it was two dudes that wanted to have some fun and made a rip roaringly entertain entertaining film I'm gonna tell them to go watch things like, uh, and it's a little bit bigger budget, still definitely indie, things uh, like Murder Size. It is such a fun, self-aware movie. It knows exactly what it is. It doesn't hide that. It's not meant to be taken overly seriously. It's kind of a parody of a time period and almost a parody of itself in ways. Um, the asterisk that I'm gonna put on the no remakes thing is The Toxic Avenger because uh, Lloyd Kaufman's involved and I know Lloyd Kaufman doesn't do things just to make money that is very evident by the man's entire career so if Lloyd Kaufman was on board with the Toxie remake it's good enough for me but other than that you see all these remakes and it's like even if even if some of them are good or they have good elements stop it I was talking to somebody the other day they were talking about you know, what if there was another Friday, uh, I'm sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street remake? And I was like, first of all, it's not gonna happen. They learned their lesson with the one, the the, the modern one with Jackie or Earl Haley. If it's not, if it's not Robert England, it's not Freddy Krueger, nobody, we don't want it. Right. Robert England has said, I'm not doing the character anymore. I can't, I don't have the, I, his body can't do it, he's too old. So let's let's move past like, what if we remade or what would, could happen outside of the realm of fan fan films because I'm I'm you know fans taking their ideas and doing that I'm, I'm totally cool with but these Hollywood big budget like put your money into other things like tell you what all that money that you were going to take to remake the crow to do another Texas ch chainsaw to do a, another Friday the 13th when they work out all their licensing and crap or that you want to do another nightmare on Elm Street, all that money go hand it to Mike Flanagan yeah. <laughs> you can just go, here, Mike Flanagan, here's billions of dollars. Do what you do. Yeah. Or, uh, like, any any of these guys, uh, what's, uh, uh, was it Leon? Was it, what's Terrifier? Uh, David Leon? Rich? Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. His last name's Leon. I know that. Damien. Damien Leon. Yeah. Go give all that money to Damien Leone. Look what he did with next to nothing. Yeah. You know, Terrifier 2, and, you know, we, we brought that up several times, but I don't think a lot of people outside of the horror community realize how important Terrifier 2 is. Yeah. That was put together on, in the realm of movies, a next to nothing budget. It was crowdfunded. It was going to do, what, a handful of days in theaters and then go straight to Screenbox. And they they just blew everything out of the water opening night. And they're like, oh, it's just a flu, just through the weekend. And they're like, okay, now we're going to add dates. And it had, like, one of the most successful theater runs 
in recent history mm-hmm. and if you were not into like underground or like indie horror it came out of nowhere i'm, I'm sure people saw the two one and were like what two i i haven't even heard of the first one who's what's this clown you know but shows what is able to be done when you have passionate people making this stuff yeah. So give it, and the, and the creativity's out there. You know, I don't know his whole story, but Damien Leone, I'm guessing there weren't a whole lot of people in his earlier life that were like, you can't do this. There's no way to make money at it. There's no way to be successful. You know, and even if it, even if there were adults in his life, he had peers. There was somebody along the line who was like, no, stick with it. Do, stick with what you're passionate about. Um, that's why, you know, I like a guy like Kevin Smith. Yeah. Kevin Smith always tells people, you know, find what you love and then find a way to make money out of it. If, 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 if what you want to do is make money. But if, if, you're, if you're doing something that you absolutely hate, you're, you're going to be miserable. It's not worth it in the long run. You know, uh, and you can, you can watch movies and you can, you can tell. That's why, you know, a lot of the bigger movies, the bigger horror movies fall flat because... I think you start with people who write good stories, generally speaking, you know, writer script or whatever, and it's like, that's great. And then it gets to the people whose job is not to be creative and it's not to push good art. Their job is to make money. And good art isn't always profitable. So they dumb down, they change this, that, and the other. And then what the final product that hits the silver screen in a theater is it, it, it sucks. You know, it's just uh, I didn't see it, but I saw a lot of uh, a lot of bad reviews for Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. They're just like, we didn't need that. Nobody needed that. That's you know, you use the Pet Cemetery name. That 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 movie, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a distance from Mars to Sirius away from Stephen King. Like he has nothing to do with it. It's just the name Pet Cemetery. But when people hear Pet Cemetery, they think Stephen King. So there's automatically they're cat without without being honest about it. They're cashing in on Stephen King's name. Yeah, exactly. And so instead of making another horrible sequel to something or a remake of something, dude, support indie horror. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell everybody listening: if you know a person and they do a thing support that whether it's their writers or their musicians in a band or make it even if here's the thing even if you're not into it you don't have to buy their album or buy their book you know i I, i'll tell people right now i i tell people in my personal life all the time don't buy my stuff it's not for you you know like i said i told my mom don't buy it uh all the time i tell people but there are other ways to support my wife. My wife doesn't read my stuff. It's not for her. Like, she doesn't like that kind of stuff. She does not like horror at all, you know, but, and this is, this is where I'm heading with it. She shares it to people like, Hey, my husband wrote this story. If this is what you're into, maybe check it out. So support your friends who make stuff, yeah. make art because we need that. We need people to be encouraged. And if, and if you, you don't encourage creative people they can't create anymore because going back to how we started our conversation i have to pay bills you know people always ask you know people ask me all the time like oh are you writing i'm like man i don't got time you know now i'm 
almost 41 year, years old. I got a family. I got a bunch of dogs and stuff. So I fit in things when I can. But I'm like, I'm, I'm so I'm tired all the time. But but younger people who have that time who, you know, haven't started a family yet and don't, you know, they have all the time. Dude, they're like, hey, you want to go? You want to go out to the bar? And they're like, no, I want to sit in my room and practice guitar or make music on my laptop or I'm gonna write. Like, you know what? Do that and show me. You know, later on, show me what you made. Support creative people so that we can keep having these things. And 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 then the other aspect with supporting indie is it takes the power away from the Hollywood boardrooms that we all complain about. That's, you know, the, you, if, if I was in a studio boardroom or I was the CEO of a studio, I would be so terrified at Terrifier 2. <laughs> See what I did? But it, it would have pissed me off. Like, I'd be scared of that. You know, oh, you mean that he can go out there, people, he can get money directly from the people who want to do it, do whatever he wants. Because there is no way, no way that Damien Leone could have done what he did in Terrifier or in Terrifier 2 if he had to get it approved by a, a studio yeah. no way um shoot they probably I, I guess that the only reason they got away with doing the same thing in bone tomahawk which i re watched for the first time recently oh my god uh but like like oh it's kurt russell people are gonna give money to kurt russell anyhow and it wasn't like the you know but but i'm like no way that the the scene in terrifier 2 nobody's gonna prove that to go to theaters and you know like like well let's give it an oscar run you know like they're they're not gonna do that um but things is you don't have to go that route if you can if people keep supporting but and that's you want to change the paradigm you want to change the system keep supporting indie you keep supporting indie and we've seen it in the music industry what the way things at work will slowly and it's not perfect but things do slowly change um when people realize that oh well, you don't have to go you don't have to go through a record company you know to distribute your music and get get things out there record companies have changed in the way that they operate things now i don't necessarily like their changes because it's been buying up properties to you know funnel things back towards themselves but i mean it just shows that the impact can be made so support indie whatever it is and if you don't know places to go to support indie ask ask your friends ask people you know uh and you will get pointed at a myriad places to go and support indie horror indie art in in all different formats yeah and i mean i think like one of the the, the big things about indie as well um that, that i think i like at least personally um when you're doing that kind of stuff you know it's like you know and you see memes everywhere and it's just like oh you know if you're if you like this you know you're you're watching like a future artist or or, or a future uh a future filmmaker or something like that and it's just like but you really are and mm -hmm. that's, that's the, the, one of the most amazing things is like you know don't wait for people to tell you go ahead and do this don't listen to the people that are going to tell you if you're not making money don't do this like even with this podcast you know people will be like oh man that's cool you're, you do it but you do a podcast and you're talking to all these people you must make a lot of money i'm like i make zero dollars i yep. spend 
so much money on this podcast, but it's to get other people out there, get their work known, and just to share something that I'm passionate mm-hmm. And it's like when you're looking at indie films, you know, like with Dylan, it's really awesome to look at the stuff. It's like, this is his first film. This is some of the things that he wanted to do, but couldn't do. Then you go to the next film. Now he's, he's, he's taking some of the things that he's learned. And now he's, you know, he's applying those to the new thing. You know, the same thing happened with Terrifier. Mm-hmm. All Hallows Eve. And I think there's three of them. I think there's three All Hallows Eve. And then- Oh, is there a total of three? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So then there's Terrifier. And then there's Terrifier 2. And so the like the cool thing with that is like I was aware of them, but then I was just like you know what I was like there's a Terrifier two is in, in theaters I'll go and see it and that was the first one that I saw <laughs> and then I was just like oh I'll go back and I'll watch the other stuff so now um, I still have to watch the All Hallows Eve films um, so I'm trying I'm trying to get to those before Halloween so I can talk about them um, but it's the same thing that's one of the huge reasons why I, I love watching stuff on altar um there are so many people that i found there's there are people that have put stuff out on altar like piggy was a, a mexican film uh, it's a short uh mexican horror film and then i think the, uh last year they released a full-length feature film um in theaters again indie indie film um for people that are like super into zombies and stuff like that you have this That's amazing the sadness is a super brutal film. Oh my! Oh, love that film. But uh, that is nuts. Yeah, it's a freaking nuts movie. But Jabez had put out other shorter films, you know, on different social media platforms and everything, and especially um, some stuff through Alter. And uh, you know, and it's just like if people weren't looking at that stuff and if people you know if, if these if these different creatives hadn't just been like you know i'm just gonna go ahead i'm gonna do the thing yep and made the stuff and and started learning these kinds of things and didn't get that you know and, and didn't really care about the, the support or anything else like that a lot of the stuff that people are finding now wouldn't be there and yeah mm-hmm. i think a, a, a really good point here and you see this so much now especially in the gaming community there's been this huge thing where it's like you have all these companies that are just pumping out these games and it's all about profit margin and it's yep. like okay the player base is saying hey this is what we want in a game can you give this to us and it comes out and it's just, and it's the complete opposite like yeah. for instance it's not horror but um, for anybody who's ever played a Battlefield game, you know, and, and you, you get like the old uh, Battlefield and you get all these different classes and you get all the different kinds of things that mm-hmm. that like that is the soul of that game. And then the newest one that came out and yes, it appeals to a player. It does appeal to a player base, but it's a different player base than what got them to where they are. It's almost like, it's almost like be, be, betraying their uh, their base. Yeah, you know, to, it's, to, it's, to go after that remake, you know, it's just like, yeah, we didn't ask for this, dude. It's like we want something else. So I think when you're when you're going into indie, when you're going into that creative field where it's like you're looking at all the different kinds of things that people are doing where they enjoy them and they don't mm-hmm. the corporate heads looking down and being like, oh, this isn't going to make us five five hundred fifty yep. million dollars in the first three days it's like dude 
who cares? I want to see the passion of of the people making this film. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to experience something a little bit different. And I don't care if it's polished. You know, a lot of people do, but it's like, it's polished. I just want to see what other people are doing. And oh, yeah. Get that get that experience, you know, it's like what terrifies them? What 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 is something that they're afraid of? And I feel like with indie, you get more of that visceral emotion from the creator. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, this is the kind of game that they wanted to create. This is the kind of story that they wanted to tell. This is why it's terrifying. This is why, you know, it's it's that it's that is where you go from the you know, kind of turn your mind off, disassociate, and have this big budget movie to the yep. ripping off the fingernails. Holy crap, I'm invested in this now because I can relate. It is amazing what what people can do when they're not told they can't do it. Yeah. You know, in, in any medium, whatever it is, it, they go, I kind of want to do this. Cool, do that. Let's see. Let's see. And it might not work. It might not work. But and again, I'm going to I'm going to have to reference back to my boy, Kevin Smith. He said he he said this more than once. There, There's why people and why not? Mm-hmm. You know, you come up with an idea and you you will you present it to a bunch of people in your life. And a, a lot of people are just like, why? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to spend your time doing that? Stop talking. Don't associate with those people. Find the people who go, yeah, why not? And 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 you, it might not work. But like you said, oh geez, you're gonna see the passion. You're gonna see that that people care about that. And that's you know, I'm not a big gamer, but every now and then I'll go on Steam or something. And that's I think I, I like a platform like Steam because it's like people can put out whatever they want. You know, it might not be widely successful, but I mean, generally speaking, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you know more about that than I do. But it's if you're if you're an indie programmer, you can put your stuff together and you can release it on Steam with fairly little little effort, right? And when you go back and you look at and and I'm aging myself here, um, when you look at as far as computer gaming goes, I know it's been around longer than I'm about to reference, but a lot of the um, Trailblazers in in computer gaming you know you had duke 3d quake doom and those things that was just like seven geeky friends who were into horror and video games and like and computers are like let's make this and they didn't really have they didn't have anybody be like no 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 no. you can't cut demons in half of the chainsaw nobody's gonna buy that you know you can't have this character that you know you you can't have you know, a functional urinal that your that your character can pee in, and and pixelated strippers shaking their boobs. You can't do that. They're like, we're gonna do this. This is what we're into. They didn't have anybody to tell them no. And look what they made. Yep. You know, I, you know, Duke 3D. And I know people have different opinions on on video games, first person shooters. And the, I'm I'm sure I'm sure I'm missing something. But in my experience, and as far as I'm aware, that was one of the first games where you could like really interact with your environment in those different ways other than just like pushing something and you know uh, the duke 3d engine was used to make so uh, we got shadow warrior uh, there were lots of little 
they use the build engine to make all kinds of other crappy games that you could get for like 10 bucks at Walmart. And like, I, you know, I bought them. I bought them and I, I played them and I was like, oh, well, this is this is the, the, the Duke 3D engine. You know, I can pop this in a build and, you know, it, it, it spawned so much from that because you didn't have a bunch of people saying, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a, I think that's, that's more of like a fundamental thing. It's like, do you, do you listen to the people that are just like, no, you can't do that? Um, or do you just say, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. And kind of like what you were saying with, um, like the, the younger generations, you know, it's like, so I stopped, I remember when I was in school and when I was in junior high and high school, I got in trouble all the time for, um, just writing the most absurd and violent things <laughs> that, that, that you could. But I was one of the only kids where you get that 15 minutes of writing time and kids struggle, you know, it was just like they might get a couple sentences out and they're just like, I have no idea what to write um, or, or maybe a paragraph or two. So I, I remember one of the stories that I wrote, we had so in 15 minutes, I, I like, I have no idea where it came from, but I, I got had this like 20 page story written um, and, and it just kind of just went to town with it. And the, the premise was um, two friends that, that grew up in, in parted ways somehow uh, in, in, in the realm of existence <laughs> had to meet up again. And so with mine, at that point in time, uh, I had just started getting into um, horror games. Um, I just started getting into a lot more of like action films and stuff. Mm -hmm. like that. And um, so I wrote a where the two friends did meet up again, but one of them turned out to be an assassin. And the other one wound up being a criminal mob boss. Oh. And he had to take him out. And so I wrote this thing where, so he's got the earpiece in, he's got somebody telling him what he's got to do, and he knows that his friend is like a terrible person now. Yeah. And he's like, he makes that realization where he's like, oh crap, what the hell do I do? You know? And then it's that whole. Dang, that's kind of thing and so you go through all the different emotional things where it's like I remember yeah. it all this stuff and it just gets super gory <laughs> nice so like they're all getting out of the car and they're just like what are you doing like you like this is the only time we have like if he goes through with this meeting some bad things some really bad things are gonna happen yeah yeah and so he just starts blasting you know and I'm talking about like how like he like he hits this one dude and his arm flies off and then like his guts are spilling out everywhere and all. like the opening to Tokyo Gore Police, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Just that limbs film. and stuff flying everywhere. <laughs> if I had seen those films, it would have been even even worse, you know. And it's just like, but those are the kind of things where it's like, if somebody if they, if I had just had one teacher or one person that looked at that stuff and it was like i understand that this is not age appropriate but you're also writing for you and probably an older audience you know because it's like you have all those reading yeah. comprehension tests and everything and you know all through school you know i was always way high oh up yeah same kind of reading list kind of thing where it's just like yeah everyone else is at a third grade level i'm at a high school level now i'm at yep. a and it's just like that's you know to look at people and then discourage them and be like because it's not the norm you shouldn't do yeah. it yeah you know uh i st 
stopped writing for almost a decade because people were just like, nope, you're not gonna do it. Like, that's not okay, you can't do it. And then when I started seeing like, oh, there's splatterpunk out there. There's extreme horror. Yeah. Look at all of these films that are, are are being made, like all the the monster movies that are out there. They're just yeah, third and and just far out there. And I was like, yep, I'm gonna start writing again. I'm gonna start yep. people that do this kind of stuff. And that's it, it's it's important, man. To just yeah, that's and you know, finding out that there was an audience for stuff was like life changing for me. And that's why, like I said, I tell a lot of people don't read my stuff it's not for you you're not going to like it you know people who i know personally you know like i said my mom my mom mom you're not allowed <laughs> you don't want you don't want to know the thoughts that come out of your baby's head um but a lot of other friends i just know them in fact i have a friend charlene i don't know if you're gonna listen to this sorry i'm, I'm putting you on front street here she texted me because she knows i'm i'm the horror guy and and she's like what is this fall of the house of usher she's like have you seen this is this just like is it just me or is it the worst thing ever made? And I was like, I haven't had an opportunity to watch it yet because I've been working through Creek. I just finished it last night, so House of Usher's next. Uh, I was like, I haven't seen it, but Circles I Run In? <laughs> it is masterful, it's genius. I said, it's Mike Flanagan. I was like, have you seen, uh, what is it, Haunting of Hill House? I said, uh, uh, Midnight Mass. She's like, no, are those on Netflix? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll fit. I'm, I'm this far in the series. I'll, I'll try it, this, that, and the other. She was like, no, it's not for me. I was like, no, it's probably not. Because she's that, uh, tends to be that horror tourist that she's looking for the more polished, like, and that's fine if that's what people want. But, you know, all those different aspects of where I was like, Flanagan, he writes these, these epic series. You know, there's these big, long series in the first the first act he is world building it is and he it's slow and sometimes much like stephen king books for me like you have to commit i'm gonna make it through this and then that second act he's developing characters and plot and you're like and there's like so much going on but it's also going on at somewhat of a slow pace but i'm like you hit that third act where he brings it all together and he turns your brain inside out every single time and she finished it. She's like, no, nope, that's not for me. And she sent me a trailer for that Thanksgiving movie. She's like, this is more my speed. And I'm like, that's fine. That is a, you know, I love slashers. I love, you know, a themed slasher. That's cool. But if that's your thing, Flanagan's not, you know, but realizing that the audience is there. So when I found out uh, about splatterpunk and extreme horror. And I was like, what? There's people, there's an audience for this? That's what goes on up here. I can, that's my thing. I can do that. And, and so now I'm like, yeah, I know that I have an audience. I know, and that's why, you know, I publish on the platform I do. Um, I, you know, little, you know, I write 10,000 word erotic horror splatterpunk weird things. And there are people who want them. But like you said, when people don't think that there's somebody for it, or you know, it's hard to just write for yourself and keep it keep it to yourself because you wrote this. This is okay. Um, you, it, it's you, you want to show people and make sure. Is okay, I gotta go. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um. So I just you just want to run through your plugs real quick and then. Uh... 
plugs. Uh, let's see. Find me on Instagram at caffeinated ape. Uh, I have a link in bio has all my books. My most recent finger bang fang fuck, uh, his grossed people out and made them I, I never in my life have i written something where people's reaction was what the fuck so much uh so that's linked there i have my story icky the legend of icky bob crane is gonna be published in the upcoming first issue of cult horotica magazine you'll see me on instagram i'll be promoting that a lot the first issue comes out october 31st that's all i can tell you i don't know any more details about it um that's all i really have to plug right now uh other than and i'm gonna go back to something i mentioned earlier if you're looking for movie wrecks go on tubi go watch the devil's children the flock ghost in that order that's the the trilogy that there go watch tahoe joe go watch mothman uh uh horror in the high desert horror in the high desert 2 all indie films made by friends or friends the friends of mine support indie horror awesome all right well thanks for for coming on i know we, we went way over way over time but <laughs> it was a good conversation so it was all right man it was good talking with you i'll hang up again soon Thanks for checking out another episode of the Generic Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to go ahead, check out Seamus Belial's work. He's got a lot of really cool stuff going on right now. Don't forget this evening at 10.30 p.m. Central Time is going to be the first watch party for Generic Entertainment over on the Discord. So make sure to join the Discord because tonight we're going to be watching one of the movies that we mentioned today. Uh, which is none other than a Tokyo Gore Police. It's a really awesome, fun, uh, super gory, over-the-top Japanese film uh, from back in the day. Uh, so you're going to want to stick around for that this evening. If you want to know even more about what's coming, if you want to check out any of the um, lists that I'm going to be making up where I put down all the books and movies that pop up on every single episode, make sure to follow me over on Coffee. I'm going to be blogging a little bit more often on there. And that's it for now. So until next time, y'all keep being the amazing people. Hello.